One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. We're not. We're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. You know, I got a facial for the first time yesterday in like a year. Mm. And it was truly humbling because... It, it oh. was my friend Brie, who is a wonderful facialist, and I had never seen her before. I'd like had just never gotten my act together. And she knows I do this podcast. And she was like, tell me about your skincare routine. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Have I learned nothing doing this podcast? Oh. But it was a lovely facial, and she gave me a lactic acid peel. Oh, how is that? I love the way like that feels, you know, like it's like a mask, you know, it has like a a little bit of like a tingly sensation. Uh huh. And just because I, I, my face, my skin feels so dull, Mm. just dull, Mm -hmm. just kind of like, and it's, it's very nice and like bright. And um, it was very nice. I've just felt very refreshing to kind of, I don't know. I just had, I had, I truly had, can't remember the last time I had a facial. Um, it was just like a nice indulgence and I really enjoyed it. And I, I notice, I truly notice a nice difference today. So that's kind of nice. That's nice. I love that. Yeah. I was, I was quite chuffed. Hmm. If you will. I also hmm. fell asleep and I also have this anxiety now when I get things like a facial or, a massage, if you will, that I'm going to start snoring because I snore. Oh, interesting. But like, don't you think they've like heard it and seen it all? I'm sure. Of course. I just am more self-conscious about my, it's not that I think I will be the first person to ever snore. Mm -hmm. It's more that I feel um, just self-conscious, I guess, that all of a sudden I'm going to be like... (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So I kept like kind of dozing off because it was in one of those like heated beds. Oh, it was that's a so memory cozy. foam. It had a. It was memory. Fo- I got in this thing and I was like, "Forget it. I'm out." Like this is way more comfortable than the bed I sleep in every night. Mm-hmm. Like, could I? Could I just come sleep on this little tiny facial bed? And it was heated and it was at like full blast. Like I, 
like I sleep with a heating pad every night right now. I mean, I like to be almost cooked like a chicken. You know, I was going to ask, are, are, is there such a thing as a heated bed? There are heated blankets, but I don't know if no, there is a you know heated how, like, bed. You know how like um, you can get a car with heated seats? Yes. Is there a heated bed? Is there a heated bed? This is what I'm wondering. I don't know, but I would honestly, in the winter, I would love a heated bed. Right? My, It would be, I wouldn't be, we would have to have two twin beds. I wouldn't be able to share a bed with Anthony because he needs a cool bed. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly, I in this, in the winter, you know how at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about like our bedtime routines. I was actually mm-hmm. going to bring this up to you as a topic at some point, because I would be really curious how our bedtime routines have changed and evolved over the years of doing this show. Because me getting into bed right now, it's such a production that it's like, hum, it's like humbling. I'm putting on a boot on one foot for my plantar fasciitis, put my retainer in, I tape my mouth shut. Then I've got my underleg pillow, a heating pad to warm me up, big ass socks, and an eye mask. Plus white noise. I don't think I I didn't I didn't wear an eye mask and earplugs when I started this podcast. I don't think. But it has made an immeasurable difference, mm. I think, in the quality of my sleep. Yeah. Um well, now I we also need s- heated beds. Uh, now I just need a heated bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you were going to say that you also do something else. No, I was just going to say I also put a pillow under my knees, which I think also helps. Yes. Um, now, Kate, you tested yes. me about something last night that I, I feel is relevant to this discussion about your telephone. Talk to me. Tell tell the people what I did. Well, you said, and I'm I'm paraphrasing because oh wait, I think I can find the actual text. Kate, this was two nights ago. You said I'm about to do something very brave and try to sleep with my phone in the kitchen tonight. Prayers appreciated. Yes, and you know what? I was I actually this was the kind of thing where I was like I could talk about this on the podcast, but I've talked about trying this so many times that I'm in embarrassed to admit that I have failed at this so many times. Here's what happens. So my husband is often gone for very long chunks of time for his job. And most recently, he was gone for like half of August, all of September, half of October. And when he's not here, I feel more comfortable with my phone on my bedside table. Yes. Just for like, I don't know, emergencies. I mean, would it make it? Who knows? Would I even know how to open my phone in an emergency? Probably not. But, you know, whatever. So when he returns, I don't then go put my phone in the kitchen. I'm like, Mm. oh, but I love it at my bedside table. Because what I love to do is watch Friends episodes while I get ready for bed. And then I like to do some New York Times games. And then I scroll. And then also, I was in the very bad habit of waking up with my alarm, but then just grabbing my phone and looking at it immediately. And when I do that, it's like really hard for me to get out of bed. And I also have just kind of been reflecting on the fact that like, it's hard for me to go wash my face at night without my phone. I can't just... I don't... Oh, interesting. Or without 
without a podcast playing, without a TV show on my phone. And I have just kind of been thinking about in ways in which I'm trying to reduce stress for myself because I have a lot of stuff going on and a big thing I need to be doing is reducing stress. And I think part of that is stimulation. And I'm trying to kind of reflect on how often I am stimulating myself with my phone when it's Mm. time for me to be winding down. Mm -hmm. So two nights ago when I texted you that, I was like, I made myself wash my face and get ready, brush my teeth without the phone. Last night, I did it. I had the phone in there, but then I did put it in the kitchen again. And it's, I feel I'm way more able to kind of go calm down, read. I, I journal, I read, and then I turn the light off or I fall asleep with my Kindle. I'm way more inclined to do those things. It's it's easier for me to kind of come down without the phone there. And I really mm. like also getting up in the morning and trying not to look at my phone first thing. Mm-hmm. And that's much easier when the phone's just in the kitchen. So I'll get up, you know, I'll go get my coffee. I'll try to do my morning pages or I'll like, you know, tidy up the living room or make sure my first kid who has to wake up is awake. And I, I just feel like I'm more present, but this is not something I've ever been able to put into practice. So I'm playing around with it and I'm trying to just think of it as like, I'll just try it. You know, it's not going to be perfect or I'm not going to suddenly have these amazing practices. But I, I have been kind of reflecting on how I, I, I need to constantly be stimulated um, and why that is and why it's uncomfortable for me to go pee without my phone. Like sometimes I'll walk to go to pee and then I'm like, I don't have my phone. Go back and get my phone and then go to the toilet to pee. I'm not even talking about a poop, Dory. <laughs> I'm talking about a short tinkle. Wow. Okay. I mean, do you like, I feel like we've talked about you have your iPad in your room at night and I know like you do. do puzzles and stuff, but mm-hmm. when you go, let's say you go to the bathroom to brush your teeth, floss, wash your face, do those things. Do you have either a podcast, an audio book, a TV show or your phone with you? Or are you able to separate from your phone? I, I do not. When I am doing those things, my phone is already in its nighttime home in the kitchen. And you're able to um, just do that without something else happening. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, we're not talking about a very long period of time for me. I don't know how long all this takes you. I would it say doesn't it doesn't take me, a long time. Probably takes me five to seven minutes. Like it's not, it's not that long. Um, when I was using a, like a facial device, I was bringing my iPad in because that was like five concentrate or no, 10, 10 minutes, 10 concentrated mm-hmm, minutes mm-hmm. of just standing there with a device. And that was, that was boring. And I would bring my iPad in, but just for my like regular bedtime routine. No, I just do it. And then I get in bed. I take my vitamin D. I put my cuticle oil on. I write in my one line a day journal. And then I do like the crossword and I read, maybe sometimes I read and then I go to sleep. Wait a second. You had a step in there that I wanted to reflect on. Cuticle oil? Vitamin D. No, the vitamin D. Oh, vitamin D. Mm-hmm. You do that at night. I do. Is there a reason Why? the vitamin D is happening at night? I do mine I in the morning. I don't know. 
I don't know. Okay. I, it's probably better to take it in the morning. I just like, for some reason, I got in the habit of taking it at night. And now I take it at night. But as I mentioned on this podcast, it seems to be working. So yeah, you do you with that vitamin I'm D. Do, I, I'm going to keep doing me. You know what I'm saying? Vitamin Dory. <laughs> vitamin D. Vitamin, vitamin Dory. Dory. <laughs> I um, am getting back into drinking magnesium at night as well to kind of help me settle down. And that is very nice. Have you have you like seen the trend of like sleepy girl drinks? <laughs> have you followed oh God, this? I think this is no. a TikTok thing. It's basically have just you, oh yes. Have you seen there was an article today about um how people now are constantly trying to coin terms on TikTok? Oh like sleepy girl a. drink. I didn't see this, but it's it's like hot girl walk yes, and girl yes, time dinner right. and yes, yes, yes exactly. Oh. Everyone's trying Clean to like girl come aesthetic. Up, yeah, everyone's coming up trying to come up with like so, we, so oh, when you said, I would like to read that article. Sleepy girl drink. I was like, oh, that's one of those things. It, it is. It's literally <laughs> called like the sleepy girl mocktail, and it's just like uh, cherry juice, some maybe melatonin or magnesium, and then like I think they were using like the the poppy probiotic drink, but I just put a bubbly water. But I just did magnesium and bubbly water and it was delicious. But yes, it's all like everything now has a coined name, but it's stuff people have been doing forever. Totally. Exactly. It's just got a cute name to it. So Um, funny. This is kind of a random question that I just wanted to pose for no reason other than I'm curious. Have you ever slept in a waterbed? I've never slept in one. Uh, my uncle had one when I was a kid, and I always thought it was fun to sort of like loll around on it. Matt said his parents had one. I've never slept. I feel like it would be hard to sleep in. I don't. I don't feel like water beds are really a thing anymore. No, they're not. I think. Um, I think like insurance. Like it was bad for insurance because they would like leak and and flood your house. <laughs> Um, also like they're not good for you. Like it's better for your back to sleep on a firmer mattress, not something yeah. like completely like <laughs> like a buoyant bed. Yes. Oh, like what that's a, my nightmare. It's my nightmare too, like rolling over and you're there's yes. just kind of waves as you rock. Yes. I, it's a fascinating, like weird trend that I wonder how it even got started. I don't know anything about waterbeds, but I'm now I'm kind of genuinely curious. Dory, I think we should hop on over into our conversation with our guest today because it was really wonderful. And I'm really excited to get to share this interview with our listeners today. Um, Our guest today is Emily Ferris. Emily is wonderful. She's a longtime friend of the pod and a listener of the pod. Um, But she's also a senior commerce writer at Bon Appetit. And her first essay collection called I'll Just Be Five More Minutes and Other Tales from My ADH Brain just came out last week. She's just hilarious and brilliant and so funny to talk to. And as you'll probably hear in our conversation, her book was very meaningful for me to read as a person who was diagnosed with ADD as an adult. Um, But I think as Dory, I think you would agree that it really resonates with everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's an incredibly sharp and witty writer and person. She also lives in Kansas City. I want to point that out. Missouri, not Kansas. Kansas City, Missouri. Go Chiefs, I guess. Yeah. 
Before we uh, bring you that conversation, just a friendly reminder that you can find everything we chat about on our website, which is forever35podcast.com. We are on Instagram at forever35podcast. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash forever35, where you can get access to bonus content, including our weekly casual chats, which are exactly what they sound like. Two friends chit-chatting about all sorts of things. Just two friends casually chatting. We And it gets very casual, like in a good way. It's very open. Uh, You can also shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. Most importantly, if you would like to reach us, we have a voicemail and a text message number. That number is 781-591-0390. Email us anytime at forever35podcast at gmail.com. All right. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back with Emily. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura Digital Mm -hmm. Frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have, love it do they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office I'm looking at a picture of my in, children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also, then you're not taking up your email storage. So, win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs. It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. 
Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. No. With honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now. 
because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honeylove has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honeylove because you deserve it. Emily, welcome to the pod. We're so glad you're here. Hi, friends. And I was oh, so glad to be I here. I was just kind of already babbling to you about the big feelings I had reading your book. Well, I'm about to babble to you about the big feelings, which I imagine is going to now happen to you a lot as more and more people get their hands on your book, which is like, this was like reading my own life story in so many ways, even though we have very different life stories. And that is very healing and moving. And I just, it's just such a act of service from you as the author. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for reading it and for saying that. I, I It was very important to me to write a book that people like me, like you, like us could relate to. And I feel like there's that book didn't really exist in a way that wasn't self-help. Mm. Yes. Yes. That's such a crucial distinction. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not qualified to tell anyone how to help themselves with anything that's not like crafts <laughs> or lipstick or fixing your hair color when you mess it up. Like I can help you fix any ADHD mistake you have made by going way out of your uh, scope of knowledge to do something. Like I can fix that stuff, but like big life things, I'm not qualified for that. So what, mm. what I could do and what I could give was to um, write my own experiences and write my own shame. I was very, uh, mm. I overshared and uh, uh, something that people with ADHD tend to do. I overshared my own shame um, to make other people feel more seen and less alone. Well, thank you for doing that You're because welcome. you did, you succeeded. And, you know, for me as an ADD person, um, that diagnosis is self-care. But to start our interview, as you know, we like to touch on a self-care practice that our guest has. What is yours? It could be current. It could be lifelong. What is like, if someone was like, hey, Emily, what is self-care to you? What are you doing? Kate, we're going to go deep. Dory, Kate, okay, you ready, ready for this? Yes. I'm so ready. That's what we're here for. Okay. Well, I want to say that I, on, on surface level self-care, greatly improved for me as um, a longtime listener of Forever 35. So I was you know, an original listener and really uh the first year of the podcast became um, a VIB Rouge level at Sephora oh, because thanks. Oh, yeah. thanks a lot for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Humble brag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for that. Um, so I, you know, my, my skin is very well hydrated and I take very good care of it. Um, I do a lot of surface level self-care skincare. I stay out of the sun. I wear sunscreen. I don't go outside without a hat. I take a lot of baths. I get a lot of massages. Um, and I have found in the last few years that no amount of physical self-care was accomplishing that feeling of being fully cared for. Mm. 
And when I stepped back and started to look at the stressors in my life, I, uh, here's where, here's where we're going to go deep. I, um, I recently decided to leave my marriage as an act of self care and self love. And you probably already know that because it was all over the internet recently. Um, which in a way was also an act of self care. So I, um, I decided to leave my marriage not long before my book came out. Um, my marriage had been, uh, my husband and I were, were not like perfectly matched as far as temperaments and attachment styles. And it was causing a lot of misery. And I decided I wasn't going to let the marriage, not him, the marriage suck the joy out of my book launch. And so I chose my own joy. And I, um, I wrote about it last week on Cup of Joe. Maybe it'll be, I don't know when you're airing this. Um, because I didn't want to spend my book party answering the question, where's Kyle, your husband? Mm, so I've been smart. a little selfish and I'm choosing my own joy. And I have, um, chronic pain I've had has gone away. My body wow. feels better. I started running. Like I don't, I, I, weight is such a weird topic, but like weight that has been uncomfortable for me that I've been trying to lose just kind of fell off when I started moving more. And I think my body was like, oh, we can let go of this now. Wow. You know, I wanted to ask you, Emily, because I read your piece in Cup of Joe when it came out. And this line, like it's a, a really beautiful piece about the ending of a marriage and and kind of how it correlated, you know, with some things in your book. But this line really stuck out to me. And you it's right at the end and you write, I'm more okay with that, which I believe with the divorce, than I feel the world wants me to be this soon. And I thought this was really powerful because there is still this kind of expectation on how you're supposed to feel or behave or act after a marriage ends. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. I'm wondering if you've had the experience of people expecting you to be a certain way um, since making the choice to end your marriage and and how you are going against that. Yeah. I mean, it happened. I think the, the thing that made me want to write that line was that um, we had started seeing a new marriage counselor, um, which I say I, in that piece, in that Cup of Joe piece, I say was our fourth and I had already asked for a separation when we went to our first session with this therapist. And um, by the time we came back to our next session two weeks later, I had I had decided I wanted a divorce. And we decided we were going to stay in therapy for a while because we do have two small kids. And we have had really poor communication throughout our relationship. And so we want to try and fix that now if we can. Maybe it'll be easier without trying to also be married. <clears throat> and... um the at one point my husband soon to be ex was talking about things and and pain and i wasn't reacting in the way mm. i think that either of them expected me to with my face or my words and the therapist said where's the humanity mm. and i was pissed <laughs> I, I i like i i realized that like i wasn't grieving because I wasn't grieving at the exact time and in the exact way that they expected me to. There was this idea that I lack humanity or empathy or feelings. 
But when I started to think about it, I have been grieving the end of my marriage for a long time. Yeah. Mm. And I, I actually went back and I, I called it out to the therapist and to my husband, soon to be ex. We'll, we'll, we'll say ex now. We'll call him ex. We're still legally married, but we'll say ex from this point forward. And I called it out and I said, I think that was unfair because there have been so many times in, throughout this uh, separation in the last year, in the last few years that I have, I have gone to him crying and grieving and saying, this is sad. And he didn't react to me, but because we weren't in front of a therapist, he didn't get called out for it. But because I'm sitting here on, on this couch and not reacting in the way that, that you expect me to react in this moment, now there's this idea that I am an unfeeling, cold person. Mm. And I'm not. I have lots of feelings. So many feelings. When I run now, I run to feists. I feel it all because one, I'm a very slow runner. And two, I feel it all. <laughs> I have lots of feelings. But I have learned, I think, partially being a person with ADHD who didn't get diagnosed until I was 35, I learned to, and I grew up with invalidating parents, a terrible combination. Um, I learned to mask my emotions to survive hard moments and difficult situations and uncomfortable uh, being, you know, being called out on a therapist's couch. But it doesn't mean I lack humanity. It just means I processed things in a different way and at a different time. And um, I think that is something that um, I'm sure probably women in general, um, but definitely neurodivergent women, um, you know, people think, oh, well, she, you know, she's cold. She doesn't have feelings. She doesn't feel this. Or they think people with, you know, they think autistic people don't feel things. But But neurodivergent people often process things in ways that feel safe to us because when growing up, the ways that we started to process that we were, we were shamed or punished or outcast for processing things in the ways that felt natural to us. And so in order to survive in society and like be normal or like fit in or have friends or, you know, get validation from our parents, we learned how to control and mask our emotions and deal with them in the ways that felt safe to us. And that's what I was doing on that therapist's couch. And it yeah. happened with another therapist um, <laughs> over the summer. I didn't, I didn't um, respond in the way he oh. thought I, I should. And he said, basic, what he basically said was he, he called me an um, um, autistic narcissist. <laughs> we didn't go back to that therapist. What? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's infuriating as a woman and as a neurodivergent woman to, um, to just have this, this, these call-outs, especially from mental health professionals. Yeah. Um, and I think, especially when you're dealing with anybody, whether you're a mental health professional, a parent, a friend, a coworker, when you're dealing with someone, especially someone who is neurodivergent, but all people process feelings differently and in the ways that are, feel safe and okay for them. Like, you can't expect someone to grieve or process a feeling in the same way you do. And just because they don't doesn't mean they don't have feelings. Mm -hmm. And as I've written um, on my own Substack, and I um, have an essay coming out uh, with Liz Linz and her Men Yell at Me um, newsletter, oh, I good one. Yeah. do a lot of my emotional processing on the page. I'm a writer. That's how I yeah. 
learned to cope with things as a child because I, you know, people would shut me down before I finished making my point or tell me why I was wrong. Or, you know, I, I like to interject humor in very inappropriate places and people don't like that, but I like to, you know, I like to lighten the mood with some levity every now and then. Um, but that makes people uncomfortable. And so, like, I, I was about to say, I'm sorry if the way that I process things makes you uncomfortable. But you know what? I'm not sorry anymore. I'm just not. I'm done being sorry. Does being sorry kind of resonate in terms of, like, the idea of masking and having this uh, an undiagnosed, um, having undiagnosed ADD or ADHD, excuse me, for so long? Um does that go kind of, is that part of it for you? Like part of kind of your experience post diagnosis and kind of rediscovering who you are? Yeah. I mean, I, you mean like just saying I'm sorry and being sorry or not being sorry? Well, I just really resonated a lot about, and I would love to talk about, you know, rejection sensitivity and this kind of over, there's a lot of overcompensating and self-deprecation that I think goes along often with ADHD, especially with women. Yes. Um, and so, it's interesting to me to hear you say that. Uh, and I'm just curious if that's been a shift, this kind of idea that you are no longer apologetic for who you are, how you process things. Um, I would like just, to no longer be apologetic, but I'm 41 <laughs> years old and old habits die hard. They sure do. Um, I sure have do. found that I, I, you know, I'm coming out of this marriage and coming into this book launch and just into my forties with a lot more self-love and self-awareness. But I do still, I mean, self-deprecation is kind of my brand of humor. It's how I learned to, you know, when I, when I felt like a weirdo who couldn't, you know, before other kids made fun of me, I just made fun of myself, Yeah, you know, and I do it in my writing and I, I still do it as an adult, I make jokes. I am the butt of my own joke. Like I am the punchline and it has worked for me. And I, I'm not, I don't think that I'm cruel to myself, but as I wrote in the cup of Joe piece, like I definitely, I, I left out anything that might've made anyone else. I mean, my parents a little bit, obviously like, you know, your parents are kind of fair game, right? So like my, the errors of my parents, <laughs> many of a few of few of them are revealed in the book, but I wasn't going. You know, I I, I never wanted to um, make my my ex look bad in the book, and I still don't. And I still, when I'm writing, am protective of him because I care about him, and he's the father of my children, and I don't need to air the details of our dirty laundry. Um, I'm like, there's the there's the pile of laundry. I'm not going to show you his underwear, but there's a there's a pile of dirty laundry over there. Lots of piles actually, because I have ADHD and laundry is my um, housekeeping Achilles heel. But did um, he read? Did he read the book? He has before you not read the book. He has not read the book. He read some of the essays, but has not read the book, which offended me. Um, not too much because I uh, I think also part of being um, a, a person who grew up undiagnosed and also having a somewhat public persona, being a, a writer, an essayist, a person I've been writing personal narrative my entire career. Um, it's like at this point, it's not, it's pretty hard to offend me, but mm. it, it hurt that he wasn't like, you know, the second I got my, my ARCs, my advanced reading copies that he wasn't like, Oh my God, let, let, I want to read it. Like I, yeah, yeah. I wanted that 
I, I want someone, I, you know, I, I, because, especially because I'm my most vulnerable on the page. Like that is yeah. where I lay my soul bare and like tell you who, who I really am and, and the things that are, you know, that have, that have hurt me and brought me joy and made me laugh. Like that it, that's, it's my memoir. It's a memoir and essays. Like that is my, that is who I, if you want to know who I am, like eh, she's a little more self-deprecating than I would like to be. And I left some things out, but like that is that it paints such a picture of how I've gotten to where I am and who I am. Yeah. And now he hasn't read the book and maybe he will um, after all is said and done and maybe he won't. And um, I, as my, my good friend, Christine, who is not my therapist, but is a therapist told me I, from this point, I need to start really paying more attention to separating my feelings from his feelings because for so long, Mm. his feelings really affected me. And I'm still, yeah. I still absorb that. And I'm still, you know, I, I, again, this probably has a lot to do with having undiagnosed ADHD, but like walking around on eggshells and being afraid of messing up and always feeling mm-hmm. I've, like I've done something wrong and he's going to mm-hmm. be mad at me and I messed up and I'm not a good partner and I'm failing at this and I'm failing at that and I'm behind here and I'm behind there and they got the bills. And like, so just being always so worried that I was going to do something wrong and upset him. And so it's, it's again, like separating myself from that self-deprecation extracting my emotions from his. But we're still living in a house, hopefully not for much longer. Um, And so I think, you know, the physical space will definitely help me to to kind of separate that because then I can feel more free in my home. But yeah, it's, um, it's, there's, I, I feel like I have come out of this in a much better place. Again, like more healed and more okay than the world wants me to be. But I know I still have a lot of work to do. That's a very um, perceptive <laughs> self-analysis, I think. It's hard, it's hard to kind of come to that conclusion. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm wondering... As you were writing this book of essays, were there things that you looked back on that you kind of changed your perspective on as you were writing about them? Yes. Did you kind of reinterpret events? And I'm curious how how that oh, how a- that played out. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I, um yes, like there this this essay about a, a celebrity who really wanted to be friends. 
And oh my um, gosh, this is that's a wild <laughs> it's story. A, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. Um, Whoa. I you know, when I when it was happening to me, I was just like, oh my God, these people, like they are out of their minds. There's they are they are so like, what are they doing? Why are they like weirdly obsessed with me? Like, is there something wrong with them? And when I went back to write the essay, I realized like how I had played a part in in their like thinking that I was much more involved with their lives than I really wanted to be. Mm. And I think that's oh, another thing that happens with ADHD because I, I know it is, I don't I see, I see this in memes a lot um, about um, neurodiver- neurodivergent women who we are enthusiastic conversationalists when you get us going. And often that is interpreted as uh, flirting or romantic interest um, and, or just like more interest than I would, I actually have. And, um, I, I realized looking back, that's happened a lot where I've like been at a conference and I've just like gone up and talked to some guy at a bar and he'd be like, uh, I'm gay. I'm engaged. I'm like, I'm not hitting on you. I'm just like trying to have a conversation. Like we're at a conference. Like you're a person, you look like somebody I'd be friends with. And I, um, yeah, I think like looking back at all of those times, like I, I would think like, Oh God, that guy's a creep. Like that, that, that electrician's such a creep. He thinks I, you know, he's texting me, like trying to sleep with me. Like what a creep. And I'm like, Oh shit. I probably like gave him that idea just by being like so grateful that he was fixing my light switch at the last, whatever I can fix my own light switch, but fixing something. Um, I don't know. Like I think that happened looking back. So yeah, when I was writing that essay about this celebrity who was like, you know, mad when I was, wanted to stop replying to his emails um i realized that i had i had yeah been very enthusiastic at first oh look shiny new object yes i'll reply to all your emails 30 emails a day and then i'm like oh okay i want to move on to something else and then he's left hanging so i can see the kind of reevaluating my role in in some of these stories that were just like you know wild funny stories like oh okay now i can see how i may have given people the wrong idea. It doesn't it doesn't oh, mean that him him threatening my life uh was acceptable because it was not, but I can see now how my actions played a role in his feeling um yeah. suddenly rejected or or let down or something. Yeah, wow. Oh, I relate to that so much. Yeah. It's uh it's it, you know and every, I feel like every day there's still something new. So I got diagnosed when I was almost 36. And now I'm what almost forty two, so that's like six years. I don't know, math, I don't, I don't, I'm words, not math. Um, it would have been better if I would have said real ages, and not the almost ages. Anyway, I still am finding things like every day is something. I'm like, oh, I wonder, is that shit? Is that my ADHD? Like, is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And so that happens. It still happens, and I think it will happen. And you know, it's not always like, okay, this is a symptom of ADHD. It's like. Oh, so that thing happened when I was a kid and I probably reacted that way because my brain is not like everyone else's brain. And so then I believed this thing about myself or I believed this thing about love or I believed this thing about careers. And it really shaped my worldview and the way that I interact mm-hmm. with people. And it, um, it's, I'm grateful that I got diagnosed when I did. I, I, my dad didn't get diagnosed until his sixties. 
Wow. And no one told me. I When I told my stepmom that I got diagnosed, she said, oh, interesting. Your dad got diagnosed with that a few years ago. And your Uncle John, too. Wait, and no one... No one told me. No one decided to... No. Fill you in. No. Um, my family, that side of my family. So my mom's side, of, my parents divorced when I was three. My mom's side of the family, they will call each other out and yell at each other about everything. My dad's side of the family, like somebody could be dying and they're just like, we don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, so yeah, it just, nobody, uh, nobody, nobody talked about that. And um, I actually, when I was writing the book, I, there's some mental health issues that have been alluded to on my dad's side of the family. And mm. I tried to get family members to talk to me. And I got kind of told, I got, I got put in my place about it. Mm. Cause I'd made, I, oh, I don't want to share too much because if this family member listens, I don't want them to get mad at me, but, um, Looking back at the circumstances of this person's supposed activities and actions and the way that they acted, I think that if I were put in that position in that period of time with so few resources and and being you know taken out of a career to raise children and not being able to to talk about what was going on in my head and in my life and being overwhelmed. I can see how I might have acted in those ways too. Yeah. And so I really wanted to explore that. And um, there's so much shame and stigma around mental health that I couldn't even get anyone in my family to talk to me about it. Ugh. Mm. Woof. And, and so, you know, you mentioned the shame and stigma around mental health. And I think especially after a diagnosis as an adult, there's a lot of big feelings. And I'm so glad you talk about this. Um, And I'm glad that for other people who maybe have families who don't want to talk about mental health, you have, you know, you, your book is kind of like a found family in many ways. What were, what were some of your, or what has been kind of like your feelings roller coaster after receiving a diagnosis? Um, it, they're mixed. So when I got diagnosed, it was like uh, like this big sigh of relief. And I mm. cried a lot. Um, and I'm going to probably cry a little bit talking about it. And I talk about this um, in the first essay in the book. But I remember, you know, being a kid and trying to, you know, being told all the time how smart I was and how talented I was. But I like couldn't test into the talented and gifted program. And um, timing out of the GRE on reading comprehension, even though I was a professional writer. And being so horribly bad at money, seeing all of my friends just like have a savings account and, you know, being able to buy a plane ticket without freaking out about, you know, moving money or what, or you know, going into the red. And, and so getting the diagnosis gave me an explanation and that felt so validating. And I also was sad because of Mm. all of everything I missed out on the tools, the tools I missed out, like 
like if I would have been diagnosed as a kid, you know, I could have learned how to, you know, my, my everything I'm bad at money and bad at laundry. And, you know, those are superficial things, right? One thing that I was really bad at that I have done a lot of therapy to get better at is emotional regulation. Mm. And I didn't know how to regulate my emotions in healthy ways. And I stuffed them down and I drank a lot and I pushed people away and I processed things on my own and not externally. And so people probably thought I was a stone cold bitch, you know? Um, and I, I was an angry, angry kid too. I had a short temper and I, so I was sad. I was sad for younger me. I'm not sad for me yeah. now because I am, mm. I am so I'm I'm very happy and I think, you know, I'm I'm grateful for everything that led me to exactly where in this hotel room talking to you guys right now. I'm so happy to be here right now today. And I feel like I have some really impressive skills and yeah. like like so many things I can do that because I I had to learn how to do them or I just wanted to learn how to do them and I um I feel like even with this divorce like I can people are like oh the stress I'm like whatever. I was like I can handle, I can handle financial stress, real estate stress, kids stress, money stress. I can handle all of that. It was the emotional stress that was really causing me just like the deep, deep, like physical, like feeling like I was failing and like I couldn't cope. Like all this other shit, like I can handle that because I've, I've been handling that my whole life. And now I can handle it and I have tools and I have a good credit score and I have a full-time job because of the therapy and the meds and the self-awareness. And so I'm, I'm not sad for myself now, but I am sad for baby Emily and little girl Emily and how, um, how cruel I was to her and, and how, um, how the world misunderstood her. And, um, yeah, I'm sad for, for baby Emily. <laughs> um, mm. but I'm, I overall, like, I feel like, the diagnosis, it was a, maybe a little late, a belated gift. And um, I want to make people feel less alone um, with my writing. I have a platform. I have a book. I'm able to to tell my story. And hopefully it will um, make other, you know, little baby Emilys feel less like stone cold bitch weirdos. <laughs> well, and like you also celebrate the ways in which, you know, being neurodivergent is can be such a gift in terms of def thing like it can it it offers and enhances who we are in so many ways um and i i love that you touch on that right like it's not just being diagnosed is not just a negative thing these are like your superpowers too in a yeah, lot of ways oh absolutely like you know i think of neurodivergence like my brain is is my brain is not bad and my brain is not broken even though people have tried to tell me that. Um, it is different. And my brain isn't necessarily wired for a nine to five desk job. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it wasn't wired for a conventional marriage with small kids to a person who wanted a conventional marriage setup. Um, but my brain can do lots of amazing things. And I can, you know, I can pick up a new skill overnight, like, Need to 
oh, you need video editing? I don't know how to do that. By the next morning, oh, look, here's three videos I just edited. I just stayed up all night and edited video. Or, you know, I started when I was a kid, I started dyeing my own hair and I do my own hair color. And like when something's broken, I just fix it. I just figure out how to fix it. And if I need to take it apart to figure out how it goes back together, I just do that. And I just, you know, I, I will, I will hyper focus on something until I figure it out. And for me, like, look at this, I figured it out. But then, you know, mm. if I have a husband over here who's like, why are you spending seven hours fixing that vintage fan and not spending time with your family? So like, yeah, I don't always fit into this version of a person that the world expects me to be. But I'm still a pretty awesome person who can fix a fan because I took it apart and my brain figured out how it worked. Emily, can I <sighs> ask you about lipstick? Because I, I was going to ask you about lipstick. Like, anyway, this is a question I have every time I look at a picture of you. And so when I knew we were talking and, and then I remember the essay in your book about, is it your aunt Frida? My grandma Frida. Okay. Who gives you this great, I mean, amongst other very questionable, horrible advice from people from that generation, she does have very good advice that lipstick is the only makeup you can put on in public. And I feel like you have a really fantastic signature lip that I'm obsessed with. Can you just give us like one, what is this color? What is this lipstick? I just want like just a very shameless, I want to know exactly the product so I can copy you. But two, like, what was your journey with it? A red lip. And yours is a an orangey red. It is an orangey red. Well, first of all, I just want to say, Kate and Dory, that it has been my dream since you launched this podcast in 2018 to come on and talk about lipstick. So oh thank God. you for asking. Here we are. Finally, the moment has happened. My dream has been realized. I can die happy now. Uh, wait, let me talk about it first, though. Okay. So um, I have been wearing red lipstick since high school, probably. Um different colors of red. Uh, when I first moved to New York, I remember this Anna Sui color and it was uh, this uh, like in the black, I got it at Sephora. I remember seeing a picture of like Caroline Bissett Kennedy with her oh. pale face and her just like deep red lip. I was like, I want to look like that. But I looked like, um, you know, I had like a platinum pixie cut with all black, like trying to be like, Beatnik. It was it was the year two thousand. It was a it was an interesting. There's actually um, I'll I'll send you a picture after this. Um, but I just started wearing a red lip um, every day. So I wore it in high school some, but you know then I went through my like frosted lip color, my frosted lip phase, the Clinique Pearly Gates in the late nineties. Um, but that, the red lip just felt like a manifestation of what was going on in my head for some mm. reason. And it, it, the color has evolved. It's, it's, it's very orangey red now. The thing that I'm going to tell you that is not going to, um, satisfy your lipstick desire is that it's not just one color and it's not always the same color. You're doing combos. I do You're combos. combos. I, blend. I blend. I always blend. This has happened to me before and it's, it's both inspiring and devastating because I can't just run out and buy it, but I appreciate that you have created your own shade that works for well, you. I've created many shades. So I have lot, I have okay. like this, I have this box of red lipsticks. And depending on the texture and the, like how matte or, or, or not, sh I don't really do shiny, but like depending on the look I'm going for, I will mix different. They're always like a shade of orangey red or maybe a little bit more blue based red, but it's always, it's always a mix. 
and um, a lipstick tip that I, I feel like I learned this on social media, maybe, maybe even in the original Forever 35 group. I don't know. I think somebody maybe posted a tip from a makeup artist is that after you put on your lipstick, you take a fluffy eyeshadow brush and you just kind of go around the edge and soften it a little. And that for me, as I, as I started to get older, I was like, God, my lipstick looks really harsh. I don't want to look harsh. And when I started softening the edge just a little bit, I went from feeling like, like just this harsh red, like, like cold to just this like beautiful, soft, but bold lip. And I, I love it. I do it every day. I carry a little um, eyeshadow brush in my purse everywhere I go because I do put on lipstick in public. I always touch it up. Um, and it is, that has just changed my, my lipstick game. And I feel like it is, it has changed the way my face looks in lipstick. And, um, you know, everybody's shade is going to be a little different. I do have one, um, that is linked in my Instagram bio. Um, my Instagram is that Emily Ferris and it's a, like a neon red and I love it. Um, but sometimes like I don't always wear it every day cause it doesn't, you know, I'd, I'd like to change up the color depending on my mood and my outfit and my nails. I like to match my nails to my lips. I know they do match your nails today too. Yes. They look very good. Well, I have my book party tonight. So I took the lipstick that I was going to wear tonight and I took it to my, uh, my nail lady who I've been going to since uh, 2015. And I said, okay, we got to match this exactly. And so uh, I don't do a lot of color. I wear a lot of gray and black. Like those, that's, that's my, my, my vibe with clothes. And so for me, my color pops are with my lips and my nails. And I really wanted them to match tonight. Now, can I just circle back to the eye, the eye shadow brush on the lip? Are you blending it in on, is it like blending the line or is it just kind of softening the actual like lip texture? It's softening the edge of of the lip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, wait, I had another question. Hold on. It's going to come back. Oh, Oh, yes. Are you a red lip person all the time every day? Like, even if you're in like pajamas picking up a, a rotisserie chicken. I would say 50% of the time I'm in pajamas picking up a rotisserie chicken, I do have on red lipstick, but there are <laughs> days that I don't. Okay. Like okay. if I, you know, I work from home. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll go into a Zoom meeting every once in a while and it's like, you know, just my small team or whatever. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll go into a Zoom meeting and, and um, I, by day I write for Bon Appetit and Epicurious and, you know, like if it's just like my little commerce team of people I talk to all the time, I'll go into a meeting with no makeup, no lipstick. If I've been, you know, I did a daycare drop off and walk the dog and got to rush to this meeting. But most of the time I have my red lip. If nothing else, I have my red lip. And the thing I, I love else, if nothing, if else, nothing else, and the thing I love about the red lip is that I feel like I can go anywhere in jeans and I will not be underdressed. No, it's, um, it's, it, it feels so put together to me all the time. And also like, do you ever, will you go otherwise makeupless, but always do the red lip? Yes. Um, though I will often, because I stay out of the sun so much after I soften the edge of my lip, I often take that eyeshadow brush and kind of dab a little color on my cheeks to, you know, look alive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, is there any other like skincare or beauty product as a person who is familiar with the podcast that you feel called to share today with us? I mean, I have so many. I use, I, I, I am just a huge fan of hydration. 
I hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Um, one is uh, a friend of mine has this very small skincare line with just two products. And I think one has been sold out forever. Um, but they have uh, this uh, squalene serum that I'm obsessed with. It's called Super Squalene. And the, the company is called Good Skin Day. And I love it. And it's um, a splurge, but I love it. Um, I also started, I stayed in a fancy hotel, like a boutique hotel in Kansas City called No Vacancy. Um, not long after I told my husband I wanted a divorce and they had, um, Lalabo Santal 33 shampoo and conditioner and body wash in the room. And I washed my hair with it and my hair has never air dried so well in my life. And so now oh, wow. I spend $130 for 15 ounces of shampoo and conditioner total. Um, not really in my budget, especially as a future divorcee, but, um, it is like, I, it, it's, it's life changing shampoo and conditioner, which seems so weird because I, but I usually just use like, use whatever smells good at Target. Um, and it is, uh, it's, I, I love it. I, I, my hair just air dries so beautifully and I love the texture and it feels like it has movement. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I really cut back on my actives. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Yeah. Amen. Oh, well, Emily, it's been so great to get to talk to you. Um, obviously your book is out now wherever folks can get books pick it up. It's so funny and heartfelt and informative and validating. You do not need to be a person with ADHD to read it. Um, Correct. But if folks want to find you elsewhere on the internet, where can we turn? I am that Emily Ferris everywhere. So I'm that Emily Ferris on Substack, on Instagram, on Facebook. I mean, I guess I'm still hanging out on Twitter, hanging on by a thread. Over there, I don't know, um, but yeah, I am that Emily Ferris, and it's F A R R I S, and everyone likes to spell it with an E, but it's F A R R I S. Thank you so 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 much. It was so nice to connect with you guys. I've, it's been so long since we've chatted, so it's been a long time. Yeah, thank yeah. you for doing this. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much. And good luck with all your book stuff. Thank you. Mm. Mm-mm. I love Emily's red lip, Dory. Yes, she has a great red lip. We also didn't talk about her glasses, but I, I do really like her glasses. I just want to say she has a great personal style that I want to copy. Yes. Yes. So okay. if you see me suddenly looking a lot like Emily with a <laughs> really nice, juicy, bold, orangey red lip and a nice middle part uh... and some big ass glasses, it's because... She looks amazing. I like all her. I like her choices. Yeah. I like her I fashion that. sense. I love that for you. Thank you. I mean, I really do love her lip color. And I, I also just love the idea. And I don't know if I love this for me, but I just love the idea of like one signature thing that you'd have, you know, like almost, yes. it's almost, it's almost yes. comforting, I yes. think, to know you have a signature to thing. To have a thing. Yeah. I don't have to figure out what lip color I'm wearing. I know yeah. I'm an orangey red lip almost every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love that. Well, let's just transition here. In, oh, hold on. Anthony's going to just jog by. He's going to get his lunch, I think. Are you getting your lunch? Yeah. 
Okay, we shut the door all the way. Okay, thank you. Love you. Bye. Little Anthony King cameo. Okay. Dory, I want to transition into our intention space because Let's last week you had put your intention was rainy day coziness, not sadness. Mm-hmm. Now we've had like um, a really extreme weather front here in Los Angeles. It's true. That quite frankly has made me feel kind of wacky. How did this go for you? Um, it was okay. It was a little weird. Like the rain really started Sunday afternoon. Monday, my son did not have school. I canceled school because, because of the rain. Because of the rain. Um, and that just like made things a little bit weird. And you know, then even Tuesday when I took him to school, I barely left the house the rest of the day. And I just, I don't know. I just started feeling a little like, woo. Um, and it was like, oh, it's, it's really raining. <laughs> it's raining a lot. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were landslides. Like, I don't know if you follow past Forever 35 guest Melissa Broder on Instagram, but like her car was swept away in the mud and her, like, some people really we we neither of us did, but some people really sustained a lot of damage, and it actually was it was pretty scary. Um, yeah, so I you know I wouldn't say that I had sad seasonal affective disorder from the rain, but I I like when I when I woke up this morning and I saw that it was sunny out, I was like, oh, that's nice. Now it's getting yeah. cloudy again, but um, you know. It was it's a it was a nice little respite. Um, this week, I I'm, I'm I'm trying to like manage my life stress and not let it like overtake everything because I sometimes find that I get like paralyzed when I have so much mm. stress that I can't get anything done and I yeah. there's like things I need to get done. So I'm going to try to figure that out this week. Okay. Well, I'm here for you if you need support. Thanks, Kate. How about you? Well, I think last week I had talked about how I am working on eliminating histamines (laughs) from my life. Yes. And also trying to help my body have less reasons to react to the histamine that is inside my body. So that is going. I do feel really good good um that's part of that is with the phone like that's part of the phone thing um that's changing stuff that i've been eating mm-hmm. which is really challenging um but that being said my symptoms are reduced and so i feel pretty good um and then i also have been trying to turn off all the lights to save electricity oh, yes. because we have had some high electricity bills and we don't need that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also better for the world so totally. I would say like doing okay on both those fronts. Great. Now, that being said, my intention this week is one that's been like, I don't know, staring me in the face for months, which is that I need to clean up the dumping corner of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have a dumping area? Oh, yeah. Our, the bedroom is is a nightmare. I mean, I would, I should say this isn't the only messy part of my bedroom, but I have a corner of the bedroom where there's just a pile of mm-hmm. stuff. Everything from a photo from my wedding to um, 
like physical therapy tools for my foot mm. to like, I mean, it's just a two of LED face mask. I mean, it's just a pile of shit and I need to figure out homes for these things. Yep. And it just, it like stresses me out every time I look at it, but nothing is less appealing than dealing with it. It's like, what's worse, the pile or dealing with the pile? I don't fucking know, but I put it in here because when I actually set intentions on this podcast, I feel like it holds me to task more. Mm, so, well, that's good. So here it is. Here it is. Here we are. The dumping corner. The dumping corner. <sighs> okay. I, I like this idea of tackling the dumping corner. Well, it's. I feel like something that you have said before, which has resonated with me, is like everything has to have a home. Yes. And like, like has to go with like. Yes. And right now, I, my bedroom is filled with a lot of things that don't have homes. Mm -hmm. Where does my Navage nasal cleaner go? I don't know. Right now, it's on my dresser. Okay. Yep. yep. So, yep. got to find yep. some homes for things, Dory. We need homes. They all need homes. They all need homes. Well, on that note... Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer. It's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. Thank you for being a listener. Thanks, everybody.